Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool surface from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today I'm here with my co-host and one of my favorite friends, David Jacoby. Of course, he's the president... You president say that to everyone, Jasper. President of I wasn't done yet with uh, introducing you. President of Hostfully, and a serial entrepreneur. And what what else, David? No, that's good. How about Superhost? Superhost, of course. I can tell because I've actually stayed with you, and I have to say you were a pretty good host. Ah, shucks. You say that to everyone, <laughs> too, Jasper. But it's not just us today. I'm uh, very excited to have Diana. Ting on the show, and she's a reporter for Skift. So, Diana, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Skift for those who yes. are not aware of it? Sure. So, I am the hospitality editor at Skift, and Skift is best sort of described as a travel industry kind of, I guess intelligence platform is uh, is the term that we like to use. But basically, the part that I work on for Skipped is I work on our editorial team as one of its reporters. And in my role, I really write a lot about the hospitality industry, and especially about Airbnb. And our audience is primarily consistent of people who work in the travel industry. So it could be super hosts like David, it could be airline executives, it could be cruise line employees, basically and anyone and everyone who works in, in travel could definitely uh, get a little something out of Skift. Thanks for that, Deanna. Mm -hmm. I get a newsletter every morning in my inbox from Skiff, the Skiff Daily Newsletter. And I love that. It really gives a great overview of the travel industry. And it seems like your focus is not just on Airbnb, but on kind of hospitality in general. Is that right? Yes. Covering Airbnb in and of itself is is sort of a full-time <laughs> reporter's beat. But in addition to that, I also write a lot about you know hotel companies. So, you know, your Marriott's, your Hilton's, your Hyatt's, your Wyndham's, all those those bigger players and also smaller players too. All right. Wow. Sounds like you have your plate full. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one thing I've been following closely from your mm -hmm. articles over the past few years are the legal issues going on in many cities. I know you've done a lot with New York, but then there's also San Francisco and Chicago and New Orleans, and it seems like it never ends. I'm, I'm wondering for the listeners out there if you could kind of give an overview on what some of the legal issues are. What are the latest legal issues? Uh, maybe have some follow-up questions uh, specifically with regards to how things are going in New York. 
Sure. Okay. <laughs> yes. Like you said, there is always something going on somewhere, somewhere in some part of the world with regard to regulatory issues and Airbnb. I'd say right now the climate is, it's sort of like, it's still sort of like that same tension, but I definitely do feel like a lot more cities are becoming a lot more responsive in their their ways to try to approach this topic. They're much more cognizant of the potential, you know, complications that home sharing can can bring about, both the good things and the bad things. So I think that it really, really depends on what city you are talking about. You know, we could talk domestic, we could talk international. It's kind of runs the gamut. Here at Skift, I focus primarily on New York because I live in New York. It's a little bit easier for me to kind of pay really close attention to what's happening with regard to enforcement and laws. But, you know, in Europe, there's definitely been a lot of activity lately. I think today some news broke about Amsterdam issuing a, a plenty of fines to to Airbnb hosts who are in violation of their local laws. So there's a lot going on. Is there anything you want to, that you think we should talk about in particular, maybe with New York or anything that you guys have been keeping an eye on that, that you want to talk about? Well, I actually have a very specific question because mm-hmm, you know, sure. lately, um, you know, I think what's really interesting is that in London and in Amsterdam, Airbnb has, for the first time, they've agreed to work with the local mm-hmm. authorities and to enforce the local regulations on the platform, right? So in Amsterdam, yes. you can only rent out for 60 days, and then your calendar will actually be blocked. The same is true in mm-hmm. uh, in London for 90 days. And my question to you is, I know a little bit about what's going on in New York. They started to hand, uh, hand out fines and stuff. But uh, they haven't gotten to the point yet where Airbnb is actually enforcing the rules. So my question to you is, do you see this coming to New York and potentially also other places where you know there's been some opposition against Airbnb, such as San Francisco and, and some other big cities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I've also thought about that myself too. Like it does seem like Airbnb has a somewhat different approach to regulations in Europe, dealing with you know European municipalities versus how they deal with the cities here in the US. I think, you know, from what I've reported on and what I've looked into, it does seem like Airbnb is somewhat more willing to compromise more with cities. I think the best example of that would be the type of partnership that they've tried to strike with the local government in Chicago. Although that too has come up with its own slew of issues regarding privacy of the hosts. But, you know, basically in Chicago, they kind of struck this deal where they said they would work to sort of like automatically register the hosts there and that they would share information about the hosts and how often the hosts are hosting people or guests in their homes and share that with the local government. But that, you know, came under fire by a lot of hosts who said that that was sort of like a violation of their privacy. I think they've sort of tried to come up with a a better compromise in that. I think that they recently came up with something that that kind of said that it would only be for like certain instances or like, you know, paperwork had to be filed in order for that host's private information to be shared with the city or something like that. But yeah, I definitely think that there is somewhat more of a willingness. But again, there haven't necessarily been these bold gestures made by Airbnb to really say like, look, we know what the laws are here and we're going to make sure that we enforce them on our platform. And I think in New York and San Francisco, they've said that, you know, they're doing that one home, one host sort of policy, but 
you know, whether or not that's really easily enforceable is really questionable. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Interesting enough, I do know that tomorrow, this is Brian, Brian Chesky, the CEO, is planning to hold some sort of media announcement tomorrow, but I don't know what the topic is exactly. But following that announcement, Chris Lehane, their head of public policy, is making himself available for Q&A. So my gut tells me this probably does have something to do with sort of like their future sort of policy plans. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know why they're more willing to kind of cooperate with local governments in Europe versus the U.S. It's, it's just a little interesting. Uh, looking forward to that announcement. Yeah. I will uh, anxiously be awaiting my email, uh, my daily SCIF newsletter mm-hmm. to see what that's about. So to what extent do you think it's Airbnb's responsibility to kind of be the policeman for this? Are they just a platform like Craigslist or, you know, or other sites like HomeAway or are they something more? And as they start getting involved in these legal issues and start tracking who's registered or not, do you think that will stop the growth of short-term rentals or will people just move to other sites like Craigslist and HomeAway where it's easier? Right. I mean, that's, yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, I do think that, you know, given their track record and how they've sort of dealt with a lot of the the regulatory things, especially here in New York, you know, they, they do sort of claim, hey, we're just a platform, we're just a marketplace. But it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if that role changes more. I think you know, sort of with the recent acquisition of luxury retreats, it does sort of maybe signal that they're willing to take more of an active role in kind of actually controlling the guest experience. And in that regard too, I wonder if that will extend to, you know, really like working more deeply with hosts on kind of perfecting the experience and then also like representing them more so. But yeah, I, you know, with regard to the most recent law or, you know, amendment to the multiple dwelling law that was passed here in New York regarding these steep fines, you know, what really ultimately happened was that the hosts were kind of left footing the bill. In this. You know, Airbnb isn't really responsible. They're not legally responsible or liable for this. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they do lose a lot of hosts, especially in a market like New York, which is their number one market in the U.S., their number two market in the world behind Paris. It could definitely, you know, could have an impact, I think, in terms of their ability to continue to grow. Yeah, uh, we'll see how that goes. So (laughs) uh, related to that, and you kind of mentioned Chicago earlier, one final question on the legal side. Mm -hmm. Do you think, is there any city that's kind of got it right, so to speak? Or is it too hard to tell and every city has their own unique situations and it's just going to be different in every case? I think it's too hard to tell. (laughs) Sometimes you think it's going to be right. Like sometimes with the kind of arrangement that they had going in London, for instance, everyone thought like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, then there's problems in London. Same with San Francisco, right? (laughs) One of of the early adopters, uh, you know, in terms of cities uh, really Mm -hmm. showing a willingness to work with Airbnb and other short-term rental companies, but then also having a lot of problems in terms of like the execution and I think everyone is still trying to figure it out. And obviously, different cities have very different needs, very different, you know, types of situations. And I don't think there's, there's not a good like one size fits all type of policy for this. It really has to be city by city. Hosts. 
Does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Awesome. Now let's move on to another topic, and that is the Airbnb experiences that's been lo- recently mm-hmm. launched. I think this is a very exciting topic because I think there's a lot of opportunity. Even people who don't have a home, I, I joked in when I was in LA when it was announced that these Airbnb experiences were starting. I joked that even homeless people can now get on Airbnb because they can just. You know, they can sell the experience of of what life is like as a homeless person. So I, th- I think it's a very exciting new thing to do for pretty much anyone. What are, what are your thoughts on, on the Airbnb experiences? Yeah, I was there for the announcement as well. I think, you know, personally, I, I hope it does well, but I have some doubts as to whether... Airbnb can sort of like, I don't think this sector of their business will ever quite match the scale or profitability of their homes business. But I think it's really interesting. I think it's totally on brand for them to do tours and activities in the way that they have, you know, in this very like peer to peer way. But as we've seen from other companies that have tried to enter into this space, like, you know, Viable, we'll get your guide. There's there's so many, I, I can't even name them all. But it's very challenging to break into this sector of travel. So I, I you know, kudos to them for, for, for trying it out. And, you know, I think they just in the past few weeks, they, they added a couple more new cities to Airbnb trips. But I think it's still kind of early to tell whether or not this will be quite the resounding success that you know, Airbnb's home product has been. And um, I'm actually working on a story right now, uh, kind of looking at that and talking to some of the the hosts who are posting these trip experiences and asking them what it's like and yeah, who, what the, the types of people they're meeting, what they wish could be improved upon, how they are, have they worked with Airbnb to put these trips together. Um, and it's pretty interesting. One thing that I found interesting the way they launched it is that it seems highly curated as opposed to Airbnb's, you know, original accommodations. Anyone can just make a, a, you know, throw up a, a listing for an extra bedroom that they have or an extra couch. It seems like they hand selected certain tour guides or certain activities for this initial launch. So I can't just give a walking tour of murals in the mission right now. Do you think this is just their way of having a successful launch to make sure everything is up to their standards and then eventually they'll open it up to everyone? Or is this a different approach that they're taking altogether? 
Well, given my conversations with the hosts that they are currently working with, and also um, a conversation that I had with uh, Chip Conley during the Airbnb Open, I don't think they are going to try to sort of like open up this part of their business too rapidly hmm. and, and sort of like have it as a free-for-all. As far as I know right now, so the initial crop of city hosts, as they were called during the pilot, um, one of the pilots in the lead up to this, you know, they were all sort of like vetted. They were all like Airbnb's team, like personally reached out to these people, helped them sort of build their itineraries. And I think that even with newer hosts who come on who want to do these types of trips, it's sort of similar. So I think right now it's sort of like it's open to anyone to apply to host one of these types of trips. But I think it's still up to Airbnb whether or not, you know, this is really a go. Because there's a lot more involved in this type of experience than just a homestay. You can even see it just in the way that they've marketed these trips. You know, like each one kind of gets its own like little mini film or video. There's a very like cinematic approach to how they're marketing them. So, you know, there's definitely been a lot of care and attention put into cultivating this and making sure that it's not, you know, just like kind of like a free for all. And I think that that's got to be the right approach, especially for something like tours and activities, because, you know, quality and consistency can definitely, I think, be a big challenge for them in this regard. You know, if the, the quality and consistency of these trips isn't good, that could really hinder people's opinions of these experiences. That's interesting. I kind of hope that they will. I know there's an application process right now and everybody can apply, but that's not a guarantee that they will actually host your experience. But I kind of mm-hmm. hope that they will actually open it up because, you know, that this is really what I love about the sharing economy, the mm-hmm. concept that it just empowers anyone, you know, like it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what you own or what you have, you know, the idea that anyone could just the pursuit of his its own hap- his own happiness, you know, as stated mm-hmm. in the American Constitution. That idea really appeals to me. So I get your I definitely get your points. And I don't know if it will happen, but I certainly hope that it will. Right. I think it might be more down the line. I think right now with the the early stages, they they might not be quite as comfortable with doing that. But yeah, I mean that definitely falls in line with their whole sort of like motto, you know, for for democratizing travel and really making it available. And then, you know, given their their review system too. Um, you know, I think there the assumption could be made that you know the reviews will really balance out. You know, which is a good trip and which is not. So exactly, yeah. yeah instead of having Airbnb decide what's a good experience, let the mm-hmm. let the people who go on the ex- these the experiences, <laughs> let, yeah, let them let them decide uh, through the review system. Mm-hmm. The next question I, I want to get into is, you know, there's there's been a recent article on on Skift which talks about co-working and the sharing economy. It's they talk about the short-term home office rentals, which is a really interesting concept. So I, I wanted to ask you, can you explain a little bit uh, about what that what's that about? Oh yeah, sure. So basically, you know, gosh, there's an Airbnb for everything these days. <laughs> We get pictures all the time or you see stories pop up all the time about like, this is the Airbnb of dog sitting or, you know, this is the Airbnb of boats. And But I think sort of an emerging trend here has to do with kind of like the Airbnb-ing office space, basically. And we've seen this before, you know, there are lots of companies that kind of market themselves as like the Airbnb of event space. But I think what's happening now, too, is that people are 
seeing sort of like the popularity of co-working spaces uh, picking up and and kind of realizing, oh, well, I have a really large dining table in my apartment that's not being used during the day. Uh, why don't I rent out this space so, you know, a group of people can come here, you know, or, you know, multiple individuals can come here and use it as their office for the day. So I think that's sort of, you know, an interesting kind of confluence of the sharing economy and also this like demand for, for co-working spaces. Great. Thank you mm-hmm. for that. Also, other recent news with Airbnb, and, and you mentioned it earlier, were some of the acquisitions that they've been doing. So most recently, Luxury Retreats and Tilt. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that and what direction Airbnb is heading with those. Yeah, well, they basically proved to me that you know you should definitely take Brian Chesky for his word on Twitter. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you guys paid attention yes. to that massive thread he did over the holidays. I certainly did on my Christmas day, um, day after Christmas, uh, paying attention to he crowdsourced on Twitter, like asking for for people's ideas about what Airbnb should launch next, and you know. Two out of those many um, requests and, and two of the most popular ones seem to have come to fruition with these acquisitions. With luxury retreats, uh, we definitely knew that as far as you know, beginning last year, that Airbnb was really eyeing a move into the luxury space. And you know, even prior to this acquisition, they did have a lot of like luxurious, you know, properties listed on the site. But I think you know, with this acquisition of luxury retreats, that's definitely like a bold move to really, really enter into that space. And to really sort of, I said earlier, like really pay more close attention to the on-site guest experience and, and sort of maybe have a little bit more control than they have in the past. Because, you know, if someone is spending that much money, like thousands and thousands of dollars per night to stay in one of these luxury retreats. You, you want to make sure that the experience is a good one. With regard to the Tilt acquisition, I think it's really an answer to making it easier for groups to be able to pay for their Airbnbs. So um, yeah, it makes sense. And I think it it's a good buy for them in terms of like having access to that sort of technology and being able to implement it into their platform. Awesome. And what do you think is next for Airbnb? Where do you think Airbnb is heading? Oh, gosh. Well, I think, you know, there's definitely think that they are well on their path to really becoming what Chip Conley and Brian Chesky is referred to as sort of like this, you know, super brand of travel. I, you know, rumors have swirled about them potentially getting into flights, you know, getting more into services and all other types of travel. So I definitely think that that's where they're they're moving. I think within the next few months, we will hear something about that potential like Airbnb Lux launch for sure. And yeah, I think, you know, as they continue to grow, I think those regulatory issues, I think, will still be there. And I think, you know, if that's a probably, you know, a concern of theirs is just like, you know, how do they find the right balance and approach to to working with cities and, and working with their hosts and working with guests. And yeah, so I think they've got a lot on their plate. I think they're, they're going to be launching a lot. And, you know, who knows? I, they're always surprising us. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. Uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast, so I was going to mm-hmm. ask you if you have any any other things to share with the audience, and, and maybe also your thoughts on when do you think the IPO is. Oh, hmm. yeah. I I don't know about that. I I think personally, I don't think the IPO will be this year, but it's more just based on my 
instinct <laughs> than anything else. But I, I do think that, you know, it's probably coming soon. But I think they want to show their investors that they can successfully launch something outside of their traditional core business. I think they want to do that first before they they really contemplate like seriously an IPO. And um, so I think that's why the importance of Airbnb trips is is a big one there. And yeah, I I don't know. What what do you guys think? What, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, first I kept hearing that first the legal issues need to be settled, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be settled anytime soon when you're talking about right. the world and things keep popping up in different cities. So mm-hmm. at least just having a foundation and approach for how they will handle it in terms of working with the cities, like what you mentioned with Chicago. And I know they're in mediation with San Francisco right now. Mm-hmm. And then I heard, well, let's see how experience is launched. So uh, as you were saying, they could show investors that they have uh, different ways of making money. And even in some places, they don't need Need to necessarily make money on listings because they, you know, maybe that maybe that's free and then they can have just the experiences. So now that that's kind of launching and they're launching in over 50 cities, I think this year, we'll see how that goes. Yes, but I agree. I think, I think there's still too much going on this year uncertainty that they want to have more control over. And at the very least or very earliest, it'll be next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel too. And I totally agree. They also have a lot of money still in the in the bank, so you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see the need for an IPO right now. I mean, the company is you know it's such a big company that I can't imagine that the founders are really you know like in a hurry to cash out the shares or anything like that. So right. yeah, I think it'll be a while. I think it will be 2018 for sure, or even later. Yeah, and especially you know if they are kind of contending with so many like regulatory battles too. I mean, opening yourself up to go public really you know makes it <laughs> you have to divulge a lot more information about your your company when you do that. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily think that they will they'll, they'll be itching to issue an IPO like immediately or anytime soon. <laughs> so I think they they want to stay private for for a little bit longer. Awesome. So we're we're all in agreement about that. No IPO in mm-hmm. 2017. And who knows, maybe we're all wrong. But <laughs> yeah. time will tell. Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate your time. No, great. It was it was great to chat with you guys. Thank you so much for, for all the great questions. Yeah, no no worries. And uh, for the listeners, you can find Diana's articles on Skift, skift.com. And then David, uh, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Of course, my pleasure. And Deanna, I love reading your articles in Skift. You always have a, a great pulse on what's going on in the vacation rental industry. So thanks so much for oh. all your articles. And thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you. It's so great to, to get to chat with you guys. And I love covering this industry and there's always something new to, to learn about. So it's great. Awesome. Well, maybe we can uh, have you back on and uh, at some point <laughs> for some more insights. <laughs> right. When the IPO comes out. <laughs> exactly. Then we know if we're, if we're wrong or right. <laughs> awesome. So thanks for everybody for listening. And of course, uh, next week, there'll be another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. So we'll see you then. Get paid for your pet.